Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And the Knicks lost 121 to 112 to the Timberwolves, but it's the preseason. That doesn't matter. And these are the new Knicks. You know, these are the boring preseason Knicks that just show you some stuff in the first half and give you some things to chew on and then go out and treat it like an actual preseason game. So don't worry about that. Let's instead worry about how great RJ Barrett looked in limited time in this game, how the Knicks are playing with more pace. And looking like maybe there's something going on here as far as, you know, what are they cooking? What is what is going on in transition right now for the Knicks? And hot shooting from Evan Fournier and Deuce McBride, two very opposite ends of the Knicks talent spectrum as far as youth, veteran, uh, something to prove, trying to maybe prove that he's still an NBA player, all kinds of stuff. We'll let you decide which one is which next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks, and today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto-download function on your favorite podcast app because we are here for you guys once again five days a week, if not more right now because, honestly, there's been a lot to talk about finally again. So we've been you know, churning out some bonus episodes, all kinds of episodes in your feed. So definitely... Make sure to get those notifications on so you never miss one. And if you want to take your relationship with us one step further, you can check us out on subtext and uh, have extra conversations. Get uh, As soon as we see things, we will send them out to you right to your text inbox. You can have private conversations with us via text message right from your phone. It's really that simple. So check out subtext in the episode description, either on YouTube or your podcast app to see more details about that i'm alex wolf i'm editor in chief and excite the strickland you can find strict.land and he is gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcasters favorite play-by-play broadcaster and the knicks lost in the preseason again gavin does not matter but rj barrett had a pretty big night yeah i mean 15 points in the first quarter when when obviously all the starters were in and it felt like a regular season level of intensity, which obviously things didn't really feel that way playing the uh, main Celtics in the, in the first game, but RJ was fantastic attacking the basket, 26 minutes shot, 12 free throws. That's, I mean, the second straight preseason game where he has just lived at the line. And Alex, if there's a leap coming for RJ Barrett, that's, that's kind of the most obvious way. Like if, if there's a world where he's in the top 10 in the NBA in, in free throws per 36 minutes, um, that is extremely exciting. And the fact that, like, I mean, he claims to have put a lot of work into that area of his game in terms of just making them over the offseason. And so far, they're going in at a really high rate. Like, that is exceptionally encouraging um, for R.J. Barrett. Um, he had a really nice backdoor cut, too, um, where Isaiah Hartenstein hit him from the top of the arc. And I, I thought, as last season went on, those two developed really good chemistry. And it's encouraging because I think they're going to play substantial minutes together. And they were part of, um, I, you'll, you'll hear this referenced again, on our, our crossover with KFS, our annual Bold Predictions pod next week. But there was a lineup featuring RJ, Hart, Deuce, Obi, and Hartenstein that was uh, one of the three best in the NBA for lineups that played 50 or more minutes last year. And I think those two, their chemistry was a really key part of that on the um, downside for RJ Barrett. Um, I just thought there was still a few too many forced shots and like 
early shot clock threes, contested jumpers. He only shot six for 15, only shot two for eight. And, and Alex, to me, that's going to be the story of not only RJ Barrett's season, but his career. Like how much can he calibrate his game? How much can he pare down? How much can he make occasionally the mature decision that's very much against his instinct to pass up good shots for great shots? Like there was a play where Mitch was streaking down the middle and RJ missed him to take a fairly wide open three, but Mitch would have had a dunk. And if he can do that a little bit more often, I, I think he's going to have an awesome year. Yeah, I do think RJ's been so far, for all the great stuff that we've seen so far this preseason. I do think my my inclination, and maybe this is a team mandate, and maybe this is just RJ, or maybe it's a little column A, little column B. You know, that he's kind of being given the green light and like, hey, figure your stuff out. Like, you know, go out there, do what you got to do. Like, take as many shots as you want. It doesn't matter. Julius doesn't need shots right now. Brunson's going to play like five minutes. Like, just go out there and get yourself into like, number three option on this team level, if not number two, like you were in the playoffs for a lot of the playoffs, you know, I, I think there's something to that, but if it's, if it's not just that, if it's not just preseason, then I agree. I think this is something they needs to work on a little bit is just kind of working on taking the blinders off every once in a while. You know, there ha it has felt a little bit like he's kind of going into this preseason. Like I got to get my shots. I got to get to my spots. I got to do all this stuff. And it feels a little, I don't know, like, like cramming for a test almost to a degree. Mm -hmm. Like he's kind of just trying to get all these reps in being like, I got to get all the, I got to get up. Like, Which you know, is have, weird given his summer, right. Playing yeah. FIBA and like, kind of, didn't he get those reps? Right. Yeah. And maybe that's him just trying to like, he went to summer school and now he's trying to show off. Now the school's coming back. I don't know to yeah. keep making like school. <laughs> like references. I <laughs> uh, did I have a dream last night where I was like late for class in my underwear? I don't know. I, I, apparently. Cause I'm like having all these like old, uh, you know, school references coming back again, but I, I still, I still get those sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. You know, but... it's, it's never fun. <laughs> never fun having that unprepared dream. Uh, but yeah, it's, I, I think especially on nights where his three point shot isn't falling, I would love to see, that kind of self-awareness. I mean, we faulted him for it in the playoffs, but like Josh Hart, for example, has a pretty acute understanding of when he's got it and when he doesn't from three. And sometimes I think you do just have to let it rip because if teams start understanding that you're not going to take any chances from three, then they're just going to stop guarding you. But I do think that RJ, like on a night like this, where he was once again, you know, he had some things cooking, like getting inside and you know, drawing free throws, I think, I mean, 12 free throws in 25 minutes, 26 minutes, let's call it, is crazy production. And I mean, if he keeps this up throughout the year, he might, you were saying like, you know, maybe he'll be top 10 in, in free throws drawn. I think there's a world, I mean, there was two years ago, uh, post all-star break, you know, in the, the bad season for the Knicks, when he kind of got more of a green light, he was like top like three or four mm. in free throws drawn per game down the stretch after the all-star break. Like there is a ceiling where he could be, one of the top foul drawers in the NBA, if he's starting to get a good whistle, uh, which unfortunately is part of it, even if he's getting, even if he's getting fouled, but he's starting to learn how to sell it better and everything else. I, you know, I think sky's the limit for him as far as that's concerned, but I do agree with you. I think there's been, there's been some things we've seen this preseason where I'm like, if that carries over into the regular season, I don't know that I'll be like worried, worried, but it's something that I'd like to see him tighten up a little bit and just kind of work on the the processing of the game still at you know 23 years old right now so you know he's got he's got plenty of time to do it but i just want to see him continue working on that part of his game yeah and I, I thought a big thing that played into his success um the other night was the fact that the knicks were playing with really great pace like it wasn't just rj they as, as a team and, and this was with two minutes left so maybe they added one or two more they had 19 free throw attempts in the first half and i i thought that was 
in large part because of like what seems to me a pregame mandate from Tom Thibodeau to push the ball at every opportunity. Like it, it wasn't like there, there were some plays where I mean, we'll, we'll get to it. I'm sure more in depth, but Dante DiVincenzo had two great pokeaways that led to one man fast breaks, but it wasn't, it wasn't just like traditional fast break situations or, or context. Like it was, it was off of makes, it was off of rebounds where no one was really streaking. And, and you just saw over and over again, the Knicks would, would make an effort to just run. I mean, Brunson had this great like semi-transition play where he beat Anthony Edwards down the floor for a layup. And then he hit RJ on this gorgeous no look. It was like a 40 foot pass on a dime for a transition pull-up jumper, which is something you don't see RJ do a lot. Like he normally like bull in a China shop, tries to force his way to the basket. So that was Pretty interesting from RJ, but Alex, I just like from a macro perspective, I I, I don't know how much this stuck out to you, but it, it, it kind of made me think the Knicks, at least early in the season, are going to try to play a bit faster this year. And I, I think that's, again, you lose a little bit maybe in the offensive rebounding category if Mitch can't get down the court. But for a team that, despite being an incredible offense, like struggled with their efficiency at times last year, I think that's a really good idea, particularly when you have some of the second unit personnel in there. But it could it could even break up a first unit offense that as good as it was, was a little bit stuck in the mud at times last year. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that's a great thing to talk about in our next segment, because we want to talk about this this renewed sense of pace that the Knicks have right now and what we're starting to see if maybe, especially in that second unit, if things are going to, you know, speed up a bit this year. And that includes RJ Barrett, uh, who will probably play a lot of time with them. But before we do that, I do just have to remind everybody that today's show is brought to you by game time. And I love game time. I've been using it a lot lately, like not just when I want to go to sporting events, but also when I want to go to Broadway shows or anything else they have tickets to pretty much anything you could ever want and the best part is is that they make it not frustrating for the last minute ticket buyer which is me i'm not the type to plan things well in advance i just kind of wake up one day and i go man this weekend it would be fun to go to a knicks game or it would be fun to go see back to the future on broadway i saw that this past weekend it was amazing uh you know and and you shouldn't have to worry about you know getting price gouged close to when your event is coming up, even if you just want to make a last minute decision. And that's where game time comes in. They offer last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, all kinds of deals on their app. It's easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. And you can see views from all seats in the venue. That's probably my favorite part. You get to preview your seat before you sit in it. It's it's the best experience because then you can make the most informed purchasing decision. And game time is the only ticketing app that gives you a complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy. And the all-in price shows you your total upfront, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. You can buy tickets in seconds with just two taps. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N-N-B-A for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, and we're back in to continue talking about this, this Knicks loss, but you know, again, result doesn't matter. This is these are different Knicks. We're not, we're not looking at uh I, I'll never forget. I think it was was it 21-22? That season was so cursed. I think that was the season when Julius Randle had the game winner 
after playing like 35 minutes in preseason, you were like, why, why, why did this happen? What, what was yeah. the purpose of this? When yeah. it was, it was the wizards. I remember. I remember we came on and it was like, there was such a sinking feeling. You were like, they shouldn't have been out there. Right. Like, because yeah. I think the wizards had all their backups in. And yeah. And you're just like, why did this matter? Like, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. I think that was when he's starting his like, I need my respect tour that continued into that first game with Boston and then just led to that horrible season. So, you know, very different Knicks this year. Uh, but Gavin, and maybe part of them being very different is running more in transition. Uh, you alluded to it in the first segment. One of the things that stood out to me most in this game is one of the impacts that Dante DiVincenzo is going to make on this team. And he did it as the primary point of attack defender uh, a lot in that uh, second unit where he was guarding Mike Conley a bunch uh, on the Timberwolves and generated a couple poke away steals, which turned into great transition, fast break opportunities. These are two things that this guy excels in. He excels in fast break opportunities as well as shooting, obviously, but he also excels at getting his hand in, in passing lanes and getting his hand on the ball period and generating steals and creating opportunities like that. I really think he's he's the Knicks' greatest hope, along with Josh Hart, continuing what he started last year, of getting to play faster this year. Uh, and I think that those two do inspire some of the other Knicks to get out and run more. R.J. Barrett loves to do that, obviously, with the second unit. Emmanuel quickly loves to do it, and we, we would see him at his best doing it with Obi Toppin before. Now clearly will not have to give that up with his new Villanova friends that he uh, you know, met in the – Kentucky Villanova crossover. Um, but, you know, I, I I think there's a decent chance we might see the Knicks play a, a decent deal faster this year. And we're starting to see some glimpses of it so far this preseason. Yeah, I, I again, and a future preview, it's fresh in my mind because we just recorded it. But in the KFS cross, crossover, my, one of my bold predictions is about the Knicks fast break points. And last year, after getting Josh Hart, they were seventh in that category. And I, I think that, could potentially go up this year. And it was interesting last season because as the year went on, it felt like they used Obi less and less as kind of the Hail Mary wide receiver, which was a bit of a bummer. And part of it was just like, um, like him being hurt for a time and quickly being hurt for a time. But I, I thought they were less reliant on it over time. But I, I think to me, it's, it, it's about the fast break and, and it's about what, what guys like RJ can do and DiVincenzo can do making plays and, and running the floor and what, what Josh Hart probably more than anyone else. But it's also about the slow break. It's about semi-transition and just being a better passing team and one that makes like quicker and better decisions. Um, because I, I think for the most, like, again, that, that was clearly something that was driven home in this game. And they like the ball movement was really crisp early on. But at points, it got kind of mucked up. Like we, we saw, we, we mentioned it with RJ, but I thought this was an area Julius Randle struggled a little bit too. And it's, it's worth noting, like he had some great passes in this game. Like he set up Quentin Grimes for a really easy dunk because he got middle. Um, just sent it right out to Quentin in the corner. Quentin pump, blow by, jam. That was a great play. But there were like a few other times, and he only finished with two turnovers in this game, but the Knicks offense was screwed up because Julius was doubled or tripled, and he just couldn't get the ball out quickly. And, and of course, like for his entire Knicks tenure, right, or, or really obviously starting with that Atlanta series, like that has been an issue for Julius Randle, and it's something that I would just hope would be a little bit more resolved at this point, and I don't know if it feels like it is, there was still a plus 11 this game when he was on the floor. So I guess, I guess it ultimately didn't hurt them that much, but that's something we're going to watch early season. Like how good Randall is at, at handling double teams? Because I, I think this Knicks team has so many threats and projects to be so good offensively. That's one way to kind of put a wrench in the gears a little bit, just to send extra bodies his way and, and, and dear him to not dear him, dare him 
to make a fast decision. Um, I think the bench unit when he, when he's off the floor is going to be really good at that. Yeah. I'm with you. Like, I, I think that, I think we're still going to see the the starters playing in many ways, the same way that they have, you know, I, I think that we're still going to see a lot of Jalen Brunson in the half court. I think we're still going to see a lot of Julius Randall in the half court, but I do hope that, that these guys off the bench, when they do get the opportunity to infiltrate the starters, you know, whether it's to like close certain games or just the, the crossover between them. I, I actually weirdly see this less likely to happen with Brunson than with Randall, but like, I, I do hope that we see like Julius Randle, for example, more willing to run the floor again. Like I, re- I can remember early last year, there was uh, parts early on in the year and maybe this just goes away with fatigue for him. I mean, this is a guy that had to shoulder a huge load of the Knicks offense last year. And you could tell throughout the season, it's, it's sort of gradually, hmm. you know, it, it changes the way that he plays the game, I think. But Early on last year, Julius was showing off that new pop. You know, Euro that Julius new... was what we were calling him. Right. Euro Julius and like just the the sprinting down the floor, going for transition dunks, you know, looking more Obi Toppin-ish. Mm. You know, it's just it was refreshing. And I, I hope we start seeing some more of that again, because even if that's just something that they introduce early on the season, if it just becomes something that teams have to respect, then you can just sort of fake it till you make it the rest of the year, you know, and just kind of act like you're going to do that. Maybe do it for a few times a game, but then you, you're always going to have teams trying to rush back, you know, to get set up against you. And, you know, then that gives you the opportunity to potentially surprise them by slowing it down a little bit or kicking it out to a shooter or, you know, having trailers that can come in late to the action and, you know, be waiting there to shoot, which the Knicks should have a more uh, uh, refined shooting lineup at any given time this year thanks to having DiVincenzo out there who's like a legitimate uh three-point gunner Grimes hopefully you're better RJ hopefully you're better Brunson you're better etc cetera, etc cetera. I I, th- I think they could hopefully be in good shape that way and and hopefully this continues to be a a focus for them and not just something that it, as in the past Tibbs is just sort of paying a little bit of lip service to because in past years including last year that's kind of been something that he emphasizes early on and then you can see just slowly but surely erodes away as the first like quarter or so of the season goes through i i think another thing that that really jumped out to me in this one was and, and alex i know you're you as, as a fellow appreciator of his work maybe maybe I, I i i hate to say this but we were we were maybe the first on the bandwagon at least the loudest on the bandwagon when mitchell robinson came into the league and we we never jumped off and that's great because i i think um he is in for a career year i think he looked about as good in this game from a physical perspective as I've ever seen. And it just struck me that obviously Rudy Gobert is not Nikola Jokic. He is not Joel Embiid from a physical perspective. But despite the fact that he's relatively slender, he is a really strong dude. There's a reason he was the best defender in the NBA for something like five years running. And in the past, someone like that would have given Mitch some trouble. And, and there were multiple times in this game where Mitch just cleared him out. And I know in the Celtics game, you referenced that play like before I could get to it, where he just he got a rebound around three guys and just went right back up and jammed it. He did that again in this game. He had a chase down block on Rudy that I, I think he he followed up with like another like really I, there there was this oh no it was on Towns sorry he had, he had it was it was a sequence of great verticality on Rudy Gobert he ran the floor he's wide open for a dunk didn't get it RJ looked him off clanked a three fast break the other way and he runs down Towns and blocks it and, and then in the lane like. It just it's about as good aesthetically as he's ever looked rebounding the basketball. Like I, I know we mentioned it last pod and, and I referenced it on our Mitch preview episode with DJ Alex that um like 
athleticism was a real emphasis for him this offseason. Like, it just feels like the, the combination of the work he's put into getting stronger while still maintaining some of what made him so special as a younger player, like, we're hitting the apex of it now. Like, he, he's figured out the balance there, and I am, I am just incredibly excited to watch him this season. Yeah, same. Uh, I, I, I think that Mitch is going to be a huge difference maker on both ends of the floor. And, you know, that's another thing if we can continue. I mean, we're excited for this to come out next week because we recorded it uh, a week in advance. But, if, you know, to, to push our, uh, our KFS Knicks Film School crossover again, we're, we're going to talk about Mitch a lot next week in terms of just how lofty some of our expectations are for him. Um, I, I think that he's going to have a big hand in pushing the action uh, this year. And, and, you know, just as a uh, finding his more athletic self again, sort of opens up the door potentially for him even being part of the transition efforts too, again, which he used to be such a huge part of and sort of in recent years has been less involved with, because he'll kind of just get the rebound, get it to the ball handler and get things pushing uh, before, you know, finding his way down there eventually. So we'll, we'll see how that all goes. But Gavin, we still got to talk about Evan Fournier and Deuce McBride, two extremely different players as far as where they're at in their careers, but two guys that have had pretty good preseasons so far, including a, a really hot shooting game in this one for both of them. Uh, but first, in case anyone needs to hear this, uh, would you like to let them know about our friends over at BetterHelp? Yeah, Alex, the show is sponsored by better help. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like, you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. I happen to feel this way all the time. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of going against yourself. I've been in therapy for a good chunk of my adult life, and it, it, it just helps you, um, first of all, recognize your thoughts and, and realize which ones aren't servicing you, and then gives you constructive ways to handle that issue and, and, and kind of work your way around them. If you're thinking about starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. I, I found with, with friends, with family, even with myself, kind of the biggest barrier to starting therapy is, is just sort of the intimidation factor of, all right, who am I going to call? Like, how do I find the right one? How do I know um, where, where to go? And BetterHelp solves that because it's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today. Get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Um, and with that, Alex, um, we are going to talk about the the, the duality of man is, is what I'll call it. Uh, Evan Fournier and Deuce McBride, both of whom played exceptional games in this one. Evan Fournier, 15 points and four rebounds in just 19 minutes of action. Six of 10 from the floor, three of six from three. I, I thought he benefited maybe more than anyone else from the Knicks pushing the tempo. Got a lot of really good threes. Um, this It kind of is a bummer because I, I, I find it hard to see a scenario where they're both on the floor this year, but I thought him and DiVincenzo had excellent chemistry, and I really like the look of both of them out there with, with their shooting ability, their passing, their ability to do multiple things offensively. Um, I thought they balanced each other out really well. And then um, our guy Deuce McBride came in at the end of this game and just absolutely cooked late in 11 minutes, scored 16 points, six to six from the field, four or four from three, just looked much more confident shooting the basketball. Granted at this point, um, the Timberwolves G league team was in. So it, it's, it's hard to take away too much from that because he shot really well against that kind of competition in the past, but I don't know. It was, it was weirdly encouraging to me. So wherever you want to start with that, maybe Deuce is the more important one, but I thought both those guys were great. Yeah. I think Deuce, like 
it all comes down to I've been saying this since last year. I mean, it's all just going to come down to can he consistently hit? You know, I don't even think that he needs to develop a, a three level scoring game. I, I think that he could very easily carve out a 15 year career for himself if he can just become like Patrick Beverly, even. You know what I mean? And that's sort of if he could just learn to shoot the three at like 34%, that's like the floor for him. You know, that's that's what he could become, you know, because he's clearly so talented on defense. He's so great at bottling guys up one on one. He's great at playing passing lanes. He just he's got it all figured out on defense. There's not a single thing that he needs to work on there, really. And I I I don't know. I know that's kind of a dangerous thing to say in sports, but like he's he's about as close for his age to a perfect defender as you can find. Uh, given, you know, all the, you know, like size limitations or whatever. Obviously, he's yeah. not going to be Mitchell Robinson, but like, you know, as far as a guard defender, he does everything correct pretty much. Uh, so it's just like he's just got to start hitting threes, and he did it in this game. He was confident, you know, and he he always, you know, dating back to his college tape, has been able to get to the mid-range, and so he showed a little bit of that in this one too, and that's obviously his comfort zone more so than getting all the way to the hoop, even though I still – I still insist, like, he's got the build to be able to get all the way to the hoop. He used to be a football player. I mean, the guy, like, he was a quarterback, you know, but, like, he he was a football player. He could he could get to the hoop before – or he could get to the hoop if he chose to, but I think he's just more comfortable in the mid-range. But that three-point shot is, is going to be the swing skill for his whole career. If he turns into, you know, Andre Robertson that you can't keep on the floor because he he's a negative shooting the ball, even though he's an amazing defender, or if he turns into – you know, like a uh, like a Patrick Beverly or at best like a Marcus Smart type player where eventually you go, this guy's just a elite, elite defender. And the fact that he can just do baseline stuff on offense makes him more than good enough to keep out there. Um, so to see this, I mean, it's one game sample size. And to your point, already the competition level was very low at that point. But, you know, I, I think that this is just it. It's the sort of stuff you want to see out of Deuce in preseason, and hopefully he can, if called upon during the regular season, translate it to there because that'll change the uh, potential trajectory of his NBA career, whether it's on the Knicks or whether he eventually just kind of proves himself so well he ends up part of a trade or something or, you know, whatever the case may be. That's going to be the the thing to unlocking his NBA career. Yeah, I think to me the biggest thing was just the confidence with which he was shooting. Like that, that's what will translate to – bigger games and, and better competition is the fact that in the past we've seen him be hesitant and, and get scared and get to the point where he's passing up threes. Like there, maybe that, that can get broken again if, if he doesn't shoot well to start the year, but man, he looked super duper confident and, and where it got my brain uh, churning a bit and we're, we're a long, long way off from this. But if, if there's a world where the Knicks like don't agree to a contract extension with Emmanuel quickly and, and they have to trade him or, or, or he just, he gets put into a star type deal if, if Deuce is, again, not a four for four from three shooter, but to your point, a 35, 36% three-point shooter on high volume, I think that gives the Knicks a lot more confidence in moving him combined with something you noted to me pre-show. If uh, they can get Rogus Jokobitis to come over, like those are two pretty good options to soak up those backup point guard minutes. And, and again, you don't even necessarily need it to be both of them, but that's a position where the Knicks just have great depth right now and and we it's a whole another episode but there's going to be long-term issues with keeping emmanuel quickly on this team in terms of what his role will be and if the knicks can create a big enough role for him and and, and do if, if he's that kind of shooter to your point like pretty much a picture perfect backup point guard like i don't even know who, who you'd rather have between him and rokas that that's an interesting conversation for down the road 
Yeah, for sure. And then to move things to uh, to Emmanuel quickly. <laughs> no, we don't need to move to Emmanuel quickly. To Evan Fournier, the mm -hmm. other guy that had a really good shooting game. Uh, yeah, I, I, there's a lot of what I'm seeing on offense that, I mean, he seems to have his mojo back. I mean, part of why he got benched last year was not just because he was so bad on defense, but because he was in a like this gets buried a lot with like the oh he was such a professional last year oh maybe he got done kind of dirty blah blah he he spent a whole month shooting like 30% from 3 and like 32% yeah. overall last year i mean he didn't get benched just because like it was like oh well you let a couple too many guys get by you you know on on defense or whatever but you're still shooting 40% from 3 you know uh, but we're still just going to sit you anyway like no he was having a bad first month of the season last year which is why it was like it's untenable to keep playing you. You're not scoring the ball and you're not defending. So like there's nothing you're doing here to help us. He's back to the point where now he's he's shooting the ball at least. I mean, he looks like he's kind of got his he's got his groove back. Maybe it's all just the you know, the the allure of like peacocking for his next team kind of thing or maybe it's, you know, it, it's just him trying to earn a spot on this team. I mean, he's been pretty vocal about like I want to play. I feel like I'm still in my prime. You know, he's about to be 30 years old. So, like, but as a shooter, you know, presumably if he can do enough on both ends, like, and still shoot 40% from three or something, like, that's that's the type of archetype that ages fairly well in the NBA, you know, where we see guys like a like a Vince Carter or a J.J. Redick, you know, kind of extend their careers a long time by just being good at, like, two things, hmm. uh, defense and shooting. And Fournier doesn't have the latter, but he at least has the – or sorry, he doesn't have the the former in the way that I phrase it, but he at least has the latter, the shooting. Um, so yeah, I I like it. I, I I also think to your point, you know, them running did help. Like he did probably my favorite thing that he does, which is be the really good trailer three point shooter, where he just has that ability to be running at a full you know at full speed and then come mm. to a very quick stop, compose himself, get the ball, and just nail it and that's something that i think even the the best young shooters on the knicks still struggle with sometimes like i think emmanuel quickly in transition when he tries to hit threes like that still is a little too far ahead of himself sometimes and you see that sort of carry through in a shooting motion which has to then of course affect his shot um quentin grimes is pretty good at that you know and he's he's probably the most reliable guy like that for the knicks and brunson is pretty good at it as well but like rj we see sometimes on those shots he seems to rush them a little bit you know, as he's getting into his motion, that's just like Fournier's best skill. And that's something that whether he finds some way to carve out some time for the Knicks or eventually becomes a non-negative part of a trade, you know, that the Knicks make at some point or the Knicks just trade him, you know, can convince some team to be like, give us like a second round pick for this dude heavily protected or whatever. Uh, once they hit like the deadline, when they decide that they can't make a bigger trade using his salary chunk, like that's the skill that'll continue making him relevant in the NBA. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm kind of like, I, I got a little annoyed with his, like, you know, his crap talking over the summer, but I, I feel kind of good for him in this case uh, for kind of getting his group back a bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think there's a moment there. There's a world where he has a moment or two for the next this season. If, if they don't trade him and it's looking increasingly like they won't be able to do that before the season. Um, Couple quick shout outs, Dante DiVincenzo. We mentioned the two nice defensive plays. That was great. I thought his passing was really good. He's just, he's just going to be additive. Um, Isaiah Hartenstein showed some nice physicality, just missed on a nice little pick and roll with Josh Hart. Hit RJ on a beautiful uh, backdoor pass that I mentioned earlier. Also hit quickly on a nice backdoor. Um, 
He's looking like he's in midseason form already. And then just one kind of funny, slightly negative shout out on the broadcast. It was it was Bill Pito and Alan Hahn. And I don't know what happened over the summer between these two. I'd be interested to get an inside scoop from someone at MSG, but it felt like Alan was angry at Bill. Like everything he was saying, Alex. Like this is you always you you call me very kindly. Like your favorite play by play broadcaster's favorite play by play broadcaster. I can finally lend some of that expertise here. Some gentle ribbing is encouraged. You want to have a little bit of a back and forth, a little bit of like a, like teasing there. You do not want to be roasting the other guy in the broadcast the whole game. And you mentioned the one to me earlier about Mike Conley. Like he, he like Bill Pito said something about Naz Reed, like which is incorrectly like not being much of a threat from three. But then every time Naz made a three, Alan Hahn was like, "In your face, Billy! I told you he could shoot." And then uh, when Bill Pito was admittedly kind of harping on this, he kept comparing Luca Garza to Wally Serviak. Uh, Alan Hahn went so far as to call Luca Garza, I would say a very handsome man, ugly, just to disprove the comparison. It was wild. One of the most, and there have been some wacky Knicks broadcast moments with Clyde over the years. This, this was one of the craziest Knicks broadcasts I've ever heard. So I just, I felt compelled to to mention that before we signed off because I thought that was a lot of fun. And, and we'll never see those two again, probably on a game together, but it was, it was cool. It was really interesting because we were promised like Clyde must have decided to take one more weekend in St. Croix or something because <laughs> Mike Breen like openly promised Clyde after the first preseason. Like he was like so jovial about it. <laughs> right. It was like, don't worry, guys, Clyde's coming back. Like we'll see him. We'll see him this weekend. And then he didn't show up. And then it's like Alan Hahn was like the grumpy uh, you know, like substitute teacher, I guess. He was, you he know, was the that, mall Santa instead of the real Santa. Right, exactly. With another substitute teacher, you know, right there, you know, it's just like, I don't know. It was, it was definitely interesting. It was, I get the feeling they were razzing each other in good nature, but it did almost reach the point of mean spiritedness at a certain point to your point, like where he was just continually just throwing things in Pito's face being like, <laughs> Oh, you said Mike Conley was old. Would an old man do that? Huh? Would an old man like, make one shot? <laughs> yeah. Would an old man make two free throws? Huh? Like you <laughs> thought he couldn't do anything. You were, you're an idiot. Like shut up. Never commentate again. Um, yeah, it was just, it was fun. Anyway, I don't know. Maybe we can capture some of that energy on one episode of locked on Knicks. Unfortunately that wasn't today. Uh, but I think we've we've reached our conclusion of today's episode. So thank you all for listening. And we'll be back with some more great episodes. I've got a fun little crossover with uh, two hosts of a brand new basketball podcast that I'm going to, you know, we're going to we're going to have a fun discussion in a couple episodes this week. We got a couple game recaps coming your way as well. Uh, and other fun stuff clearly on the horizon. We couldn't stop talking about the Knicks Film School crossover for next week. So that's that's coming next week as well. Uh, but we got you guys covered all the way up through the end of the preseason, beginning of the regular season, every single day on Locked on Knicks because we are your favorite team every day. Uh, but till next time, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Peace out, everybody.